WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Not only is it Father's Day weekend, but it's also Juneteenth weekend. It's a holiday that commemorates the end of slavery here in America. This past week, the House and Senate both voted to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. It was not, however, a unanimous vote. 14 House Republicans, including South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman, voted against it. Joining us today, professor at JCSU, Dr. Aman Nadiri. Professor, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Let, let me get your reaction that we now have a, a new federal holiday a, acknowledging what was, at the time, a delayed emancipation of enslaved people in Texas by about two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Why, why does something like this matter today? I think it matters today because it really speaks to the tradition and the struggles of African-Americans to find full equality and liberty and in, in seeking liberty and freedom. It speaks to one of the core ideals of this country. And it matters because African-Americans have often been the greatest warriors, the most the most passionate warriors and exponents of freedom and liberty. And so it really encapsulates everything that uh, that we like to say this country is about. It comes at a time, um, and I'm sure it's not lost in you as a, as a prof professor, th that we're having a big debate now in this country about how we're teaching not only American history, but, but American history vis-a-vis -vis, uh, race and racism. How, how do you feel something like this um, fits into that? I mean, when you consider there were 14 uh, congressmen who voted against this, um, but overall had bipartisan support. I think it fits into that because it it speaks to our ability to really embrace all parts of our history and really talk about all parts of our history. And Juneteenth is is symbolic in the sense that this is two years after the General Emancipation Proclamation of 1863. So it speaks to how delayed even this type liberty was for many African Americans, literally and figuratively, it took longer for freedom to get to the black people of Texas, or even the words of freedom and emancipation to get to the people of Texas. And so it is a great symbol and it actually is a great teaching moment. It's a teachable moment also to speak about how ideals and words often take a lot longer to come to fruition. What would you say to folks who, who say that, that this can be, uh, maybe not Juneteenth specifically, but what, when we take a look at our, our, our country's history of racism, that, that it can be just divisive? What do you say to those people? I don't think it's, I think it's a, a poor argument to say that pointing out a wrong is divisive. You, you a criminal couldn't appear in court and say, well, the, the prosecuting attorney is being divisive right now. He's bringing up He's bringing up hard memories. You committed the crime, so it needs to be discussed and it needs to be remedied. And you can't really have a discussion about our country's history without talking about these sorts of things. And a country that is strong enough to talk about these sorts of things is the kind of country that you would want to live in. If you can't discuss these sorts of things, then there's not enough strength to discuss them. So you can't have it both ways. You can't talk about this being a bold and brave country and us being willing to talk about all of our 
attributes and flaws, and then say that we can't talk about certain things. The division that occurred was the wrong, were the uh, injustices that were perpetrated, not talking about them. And a strong country can openly discuss that. Um, exactly. Is this, let me ask the other side of this, is a, a holiday performative, I mean, it's going to be a day off for some people, but I mean, we look at issues that really affect communities of color, whether it's voting rights or disparate health out outcomes or uh, discrepancies in the criminal justice system. Is a day off like this for Juneteenth really sort of missing the mark of some of the bigger issues? I think it is, to an extent, you're right, it is performative, but these kind of performances what build national identity. That July 4th is performative. But what we see is that many people who are recent immigrants to this country, still July 4th bonds them into this country. The celebration of July 4th is how we build a national identity. Now, all the other work that needs to happen still needs to happen in terms of dealing with, with uh, questions of systemic racism, structural racism, and these dis and disparities that occur from economics, health, education, so forth and so on. But this is still, you can still do both things. And in terms of forming national identity, these types of holidays are important. Now, what we need to do also is to ensure that we're actually teaching the history and, and that part of the narrative, that it doesn't become a holiday that people take off and then can't really explain why they're taking it off. And a reminder, the last federal holiday adopted was almost 40 years ago, MLK Day, uh, worth noting as well. Listen, I hope this is illuminating for a lot of folks uh, when they hear this conversation. Hopefully they realize having these conversations, in fact, makes us stronger, not weaker. Um, Dr. Aman Nadiri, Professor, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. From Paycheck Protection Program loans to mortgages and marijuana arrests to SWAT team raids, widespread disparities persist. Many are the result of systemic barriers that single out black members of our community. As people continue to demand institutional change, WCNC Charlotte's Nate Morabito continues to take a hard look at how far off we remain. Equity, the quality of being fair and impartial. Missing in the government's initial rush to give emergency pandemic loans to small businesses. I need that money and I need it now. I needed it yesterday. Our analysis of early PPP forgivable loans found white men received the vast majority. Are we invisible? Does our pain not feel like pain to some folks? When we cry, do you not see our tears? Of the owners who identified race in their first round applications, black owned businesses secured just 3% of PPP loans worth $150,000 or more in the Carolinas. A problem that raised concerns about widening the gap and prompted change to address the lack of equity in subsequent rounds. I'm making it my personal mission uh, to, to reach out to these minority affiliated organizations. But PPP is just a snapshot of the lending divide. I don't want it to just be like, mommy's just making these things happen. They need to know like this stuff takes hard work, takes being a steward over your money and being a steward over your credit. When it comes to regular mortgages, we found most of Charlotte's largest lenders denied black applicants far more often than their white counterparts. Those denials blamed on poor credit and high debt to income ratios, a byproduct of centuries worth of unfair treatment. What, it, what that tells me is nothing has changed. Banks, lawmakers, advocates, borrowers, and now the Biden administration are working toward making sure every person has a fair shot 
at owning a home. But change will be gradual. You see the will and the, and the work going in to really make some fundamental changes. The same goes for policing. We're looking to improve and get better as well. The Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department has significantly decreased the number of people arrested and cited for marijuana possession. How's supposed to feel? But records show when officers choose to take someone to jail or write a ticket for weed, the majority of the time, why are they here to start with? That person is black. We're making the arrests, we're writing citations, we're doing traffic stop in those areas where we're seeing the violent crime. Black communities are also far more likely to come face to face with a SWAT team when CMPD serves a search warrant. Treat us like you would treat South Park, Valentine. Treat us like those people. More than six years worth of department records identified only one SWAT team served search warrant in predominantly white South Charlotte. I think the optics of it could be problematic for some people, certainly. But again, they ha we have to understand why is it that this is occurring. CMPD told us that's because South Charlotte doesn't have a violent crime problem, unlike other parts of the city. The fact remains, no one can just explain away these disparities. The lack of equity is glaring. But there are champions in this community working to make sure that changes. Nate Morbido, WCNC Charlotte. Coming up, just in time for Pride Month, some local members of the gay community finding a new ally. We are really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Pretty soon, Charlotte companies won't be allowed to discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. This week, the mayor announcing the city plans to expand its non-discrimination ordinance in August. For the first time, it appears it will have conservative support on council. This week, I sat down with Republican Councilman Tark Bakari and a local gay Republican who are throwing their support behind the idea. I guess, Tark, let me know how this has started. You, you, you like sort of formed this group. Um, I guess to sort of what, uh, 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 your unofficial commission of studying this issue? I mean, how did this come together? Yeah, so, you know, it was several months ago that I, um, I realized the non-discrimination ordinance topic was gonna kind of come back into play. And I was just tired of being caught flat-footed and not being invited to the table as a Republican in town. Um, and, I, I saw it as an opportunity for us to explore and use our conservative principles to see if we could be on the cutting edge of something uh, in a top 20 size city. So I immediately knew, you know, this was going to be more than just a simple task of branding. It was really going to be an exercise. And I reached out uh, to Kyle, who is um, on the board of our young Republicans, uh, also in the LGBT community, uh, as well as a couple of our other uh, really kind of forward thinking, sharp young Republicans. And I asked him to come together with a real simple topic and task, which is use our conservative principles to see how we might be able to proactively take a position. And um, they worked really hard. Um, lawyers, all kinds of different professionals, um, uh, you know, compile in this group. And as we had some debates and discussions, it became clear the, the principle of freedom of individual liberty 
really was the the crux of an of this issue um, that you know much like many others in the Republican Party's history we have a tradition of fighting for we have a tradition of fighting for equal rights and you know the the, the 1964 um, Civil Rights Act would not have occurred without the support of Republicans so we use those principles of individual liberty of freedom to really come in to the nuts and bolts of the non-discrimination ordinance. And in doing so, we have created um, our draft proposal, which in my opinion is the, the most um, forward thinking and aggressive non-discrimination ordinance yet principled and reasonable in Charlotte's history. Um, let's be honest, your party has not been very responsive to um, issues of gay rights in the past. If you talk about my party as a combination of human beings, um, I would say there's a lot of human beings that, um, you know, aren't people that we necessarily want to be associated with and many others that we do. But when you talk about my party as it relates to what we actually stand for, our principles um, that's the one unique thing that has made us throughout our nation's history really be the freedom fighters for many causes that we don't always get a lot of credit for in 2021. So, sure, I'll concede that uh, I'm not always the most proud of every single statement that millions of different Republicans across the country and world make. Um, but at the end of the day, we are each our own individuals and we came together to do something that is the first of its kind. And we are super proud um, to be on the, the front end of this. Uh, Kyle, how do you fit into all of this? Um, uh, a, a gay Republican um, here yep. in Charlotte. Um, what was your role with this? Uh, so as Tark said, he, he asked um, myself and a, a couple other young Republicans um, to kind of come up with what we viewed as a non-discrimination ordinance that would comport with our principles. Uh, so, you know, that's what we started at. So I'm a conservative. Um, I am, you know, heavily involved in the Republican party here in Charlotte, uh, but I'm also heavily involved in the LGBTQ community here in Charlotte. Um, I'm on the board of one of the large LGBTQ nonprofits here. Um, and, you know, I value and I, I believe deeply in the equality for LGBTQ people. Uh, and that is not only for gay men like me, but it's also for trans individuals, for queer individuals, for bi individuals, for um, lesbians as well. So um, I think that also comports with your conservative values. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I should be able, coming back to non-discrimination ordinance, I should be able to walk into a restaurant tomorrow and not be turned away because I am gay. It is not the restaurant's business whether or not I am a gay man. And if they do turn me away for being gay, that is an infringement upon my individual liberty to live how I would like to live in the city of Charlotte and in the state of North Carolina. And so that is exactly what, you know, we started this process a couple months ago in discussing and discussing and how, how, do we, how do we accomplish the purpose of a non-discrimination ordinance yet do so in an efficient, effective, um, and a, a you know, pluralistic way that everybody can be happy about as we move forward uh, into the future um, on this topic. Devil's advocate, um, do you wish that your party would have been 
uh, adopting some of these principles, say, five years ago when this first was taken up? I think that parties change and perspectives change. And it is it is through individuals who have gone before me in the Republican Party who have been LGBTQ that has have talked to people to cause individuals to change. And so, you know, 30 years ago, no party was amenable to our issues. Um, it was through the hard work of LGBTQ activists that the Democratic Party came on board a lot of our issues. And but even then, you know, in many ways, they're still not. So, for example, we've been waiting for six months for a non-discrimination ordinance to be put forward in the city of Charlotte that is nine to two Democratic. And, you know, they have had the chance to do it. And so I, I, I understand what your perspective, your, your, your question is here about how I wish my party would have, you know, had a different perspective, maybe five, six, seven years ago. But it is a constant, I think, fight among any political organization to push our issues forward in the most respectful and um, positive way. And you all believe that, that your proposal even goes further than the Democrats. Why, why do you feel that way? We're, we're incorporating um, not only public accommodation, uh, which is the, the standard uh, ask that a lot of the non-discrimination proposals that have passed throughout municipalities in North Carolina already have. We're also incorporating employment, which um, not all of them currently do, as well as housing, So, um, which is something that very few of the uh, non-discrimination ordinances do. So if I want to go and rent at an apartment here in Charlotte, I should not be denied because I am a gay person. Or if a trans person wants to go and rent an apartment, they should not be denied because they are trans. And so we're going above and beyond kind of just the typical public accommodations by allowing for housing, public accommodations and employment. And we are also incorporating natural hair, which um, there has been a lot of discussion um, throughout the state on whether incorporation of natural hair uh, bogs down a non-discrimination ordinance, but we believe that it is important uh, because many individuals uh, uh, who are African-American or Black are often discriminated against on account of their natural hair. Our con conversation continues on the other side of this break. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. Welcome back to Flashpoint. We continue our conversation right now on the conservative case for a non-discrimination ordinance here in the city of Charlotte. You spoke to members of your party about this in Raleigh. Um, what do they tell you? You know, I, I think this is a, a key difference um, to your earlier question in, you know, four or five years ago versus now. Um, Republicans weren't really included in the discussion, let alone, you know, helping craft it. And it, it was really used almost kind of half pandering, half um, as a combat weapon. 
So we've had the time to not just use our principles, but then go and do the kind of partnership groundwork that's necessary. So I got to spend time in Raleigh having um, um, multiple discussions with our leaders there. I got to speak with all kinds of great statewide organizations that are conservative or Republican in nature. I spoke with several of our uh, most um, respected Christian leaders in town, as well as we convened a group of all of the Republican um, group heads, um, both locally and regionally, uh, earlier this week to make sure everyone understood what we were doing and we brought it back to our conservative principles. So while there is a wide range of different feelings and emotions on it, the punchline is we are believers in our core principle of freedom and individual liberty. And we're not saying you must think this way, you must believe in this or support this. We're saying even one person losing their freedom or liberty is one too many. And we have that range of either folks in great deep support or other folks that say, you know, that's something I can remain neutral on. And that's the difference between now and what was caused in HB2. And what would you say to your fellow Republicans who say, um, no, uh, gay folks, trans folks do not deserve protections? Oh, I mean, first of all, I talked to the leadership of just about every one of my fellow Republicans groups and not a single person said that. Um, but for anyone out there that maybe says it, uh, I would say everyone in this beautiful country of ours is, um, is warranted their own opinion on everything. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of our principles. That's what makes us different from everyone else and every other party here. You can think whatever you want, but that doesn't mean you have the right to infringe on someone else's freedom. Well, would you would you just practical aspects of the fact that that you're sorely outnumbered? Um, would you end up voting for the Democrat proposal, whatever it is, um, just because you agree with the overall principle, or you're only going to support what you guys are talking about? No, not necessarily. Um, I think uh, I, so. I have decided that I am going to support what we've put forth. If they if they start ratcheting things back and saying, well, we're not prepared to go down the path of, you know, restaurants or, you know, employment or whatever it might be. Some of the things we can discuss that. That doesn't go against my principle. It's not as robust as where it is. But if they start going into topics of, well, we're going to we're going to do things that would infringe on someone else's individual liberty. We're going to make, you know, the interior designer design a custom um you know, room, which is expressive behavior, the cake maker bake a expressive cake against their will. Well, that goes against our principle. We, we're talking about the non-expressive behavior, the standard behaviors of a restaurant with a standard menu, an apartment complex, a housing unit, a yeah. job, the things that are infringing on my freedom if you don't allow me to participate in it like everyone else does, um, just because of what I look like or who I am. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you.
Before we leave you, a reminder to come interact with me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If there's something you want us to talk about here on Flashpoint, let us know. A reminder to folks, we have a podcast. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make that perhaps part of your routine as well. We'll see you back here next weekend.